0: Welcome into Buff Stampede Radio, Adam Munster-Tiger, the publisher of buffstampede.com. I'm joined by William Gardner on this podcast and the next two. We're going to split this one up into three parts since William and I talked for a very long time, so I hope you guys enjoy it. William, it's been a minute since we uh, caught up on the podcast. How, how's life treating you these days?
1: Yeah, oh, things are going well. Seems like there's always uh, uh, a thousand things happen it's the last time we talked and and always something going on with uh, CU sports. Uh, my work life has gotten more hectic. Mm. Aside from everything, I think I think we I think I went on that three week vacation since the last time we did one of these. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That that was that was mind blowing. That was just a, a amazing trip across America all the way back to the East Coast be a, the center of the country and can't well, i think we did 17 states in three weeks driving um so that that was the big news for me and and uh, as we were coming back we were coming back across i-80 in nebraska and if you're familiar with that you have to kind of make a left turn to get on 76 otherwise you just keep going straight west and i looked at the wife and i was like we don't have to make the left turn we can just keep going straight and see what's on the west coast <laughs> That's but awesome. Sadly, we had to come back for, for work.
0: I was living vicariously through you during that trip there. What's hilarious is yesterday, I took my daughter, Aubrey, to a par three course in Loveland, Colorado. And you'll never believe this. We golf with the chancellor of Lincoln, Nebraska.
1: <laughs> oh, wow. Huh.
0: Yeah, yeah.
1: At, at so. the just... But the, nice, the, nice
0: guy. I don't have anything bad to say. He was really encouraging to my daughter. And yeah, there was no fight to be had there on the par the three course.
1: Well, we stayed our last night. The last night was in Lincoln. It just happened to be, you know, otherwise you just go all the way to Denver. But uh, we we stayed at the. I think it was called the collegiate hotel or something or the varsity. I I don't know. And they were the nicest people. And I went in, you know, sporting my big CU shirt with an attitude and a chip (laughs) on my shoulder and she laughed and we just kind of joked about it and everything was fine. And everybody was really, the thing that really kind of really amazed me everywhere we went in America, everyone was just nice and pleasant and kind and it was really encouraging.
0: It's nice not to live life through a mask, right? I mean, everybody I think is in a better mood right now.
1: Yeah. Well, I mean, this was this was pre, you know, everybody was wearing masks everywhere. OK, OK. So that was in April. So, you know, what well, didn't really open up until May and nobody had a problem with it. Everybody wore their mask. Nobody, no issues. It was just nice. It was like I felt like, you know, when you actually if you you pay attention, you watch the news and you think everybody hates everybody's guts, but you actually get out into America and everybody yeah, likes each yep, other. Yep.
0: yep. Nebraska, they, they got to be nice, right? They're not. uh <laughs> Doing so well these days,
1: yeah. Well, in football and everything else, and there's not a heck of a lot else in the state to really bring you there. I guess fishing, maybe.
0: What's your general feeling around CU football? We have preseason camp less than a month away. What What are just your overall feelings of this program?
1: Well, I have a cautious optimism. Frankly, I, um, you know, I'm looking at the team, and they seem to have a sense of togetherness and faith in each other and belief in each other. And it's very quiet. You know, they're not going out banging drums and talking about how great they are. But these guys believe in each other, and if you read between the lines and in, in some of the reports that recruits have ha- after being there with the guys on the team, it's a very close team that, that really likes each other and enjoys each other. And I think adding Kyle, uh, adding Turley in the weight room, you know, we we I think we have more more frontline talent on this team than we've probably seen in well over a decade. Quite frankly, you know, beyond beyond those starters, there's some question marks in terms of depth, depth, and there's a couple spots on the starting positions are still up in the air. But we have more potential stars on this team, I think, than we've seen in a long time. You know, maybe since the Gary Barnett era. So it, it, I have a quiet optimism about it. Uh, I think the starters on this team can play with any team in the conference if people get hurt. Well, that could change things substantially, but we'll see. I I also just feel like, you know, people talk about Carl Durrell in a lot of ways, but to me, he's just very competent, kind of covers all the bases and A through Z. And it's not exciting the way people want sometimes, but it gets good results. And, you know, he's never had a losing season as a head coach in what, seven, seven tries. Yeah. So I, I think there's a reason why that happens for a guy, you know, so I'm optimistic that we'll get those six wins, maybe more.
0: Yeah. Mel Tucker went five and seven. And everybody loved him before he left. And let's look at the results a little bit
1: more, right? Right. Right. You know, and I think, you know, looking back at that season, it's not, it's not just sour grapes to me. I think absolutely during that season, I was livid about that Air Force game and how we lost it by coaching. I thought that our on the field coaching was very questionable. And I don't think that the recruiting was that much better than what we're seeing now to make up for it.
0: As a media member, I'm excited about the quarterback competition. This is the second year in a row, William, where we've had actually like a true quarterback competition. I think the previous year before that was 2012. Brennan Lewis, JT Shrout are going to be competing for that job. I can't wait to cover that. Let's get into the pre-mailbag talk here. I want to get your thoughts on the countdown up to number 15. That's where we are right now in the top-ups countdown. Don't give away the top 15, although most of the players that are in that are pretty obvious. Right. What were your overall thoughts just in terms of putting this list together?
1: Well, as I, you know, as I said in our opening there, I I feel like there's more quality and depth on his team this year. Um, You know, I have I printed all out and I was kind of looking at the honorable mention guys and guys that got left off the list. And, you know, most of those guys would have made it in previous years. And I felt like the last 10 I felt like the first 20 or so or first 30 or so uh, I didn't have a lot of problem with. I had some trouble with those last 10 because there are a lot of guys I wanted to fit in there and I couldn't fit them all in there. And I don't think I'd ever had that problem before. So I, I think there's a lot more quality and depth this year, tougher choices. And I'm just kind of I'm, I'm still sort of surprised by some of the guys that didn't make it in there, you know, like a guy Thomas. I chance Lytle's a guy. Chance Lytle, after the way he played last year, going into this year. I think any time in the last 10, 12 years, he'd be a starter. Yeah. And you know. Uh, off the offensive lines we've seen in that particular time. And, and right now he's not expected to be, you know, I mean, we'll see what, I don't know what's going on with his leg rehab and, and everything, but his play on the field last year was as good as, as an offensive line play as we've seen in Boulder in a while, frankly, you know, so there's a guy who didn't make the top 40 and it, you know, so I, I think that's what comes away. What I come away from it with is there's a lot more uh, quality players up and down this roster to me.
0: Life is getting back to normal. The Buffs are expected to have full capacity in the fall. Honestly, William, I, I'm just so thankful we're back in the normal groove. We had spring bowl to talk about, and we're kind of back to the normal year that I'm used to. What's the life going to look like for you and the wife? Are you guys going to be going up to Folsom Field?
1: Yeah, I mean, I think, you know, we're we're back to normality, frankly. Uh, you know, Kathy runs a a floor that was one of the main COVID floors, one of the bigger COVID floors in Denver. They don't have any patients right now. Nice. I think they consolidated them down, you know, in that particular hospital to one floor. And I think with, uh, you know, the vaccine and everything that, that there's no reason why we can't have everybody doing built really whatever they want. Uh, and so I, I feel like we're going to be back, back to re- back to reality, back to regular life, especially as far as sports go in in Colorado. So, I'm looking forward to it. I don't see any reason why we can't fill up the stadium and, and have a, a great atmosphere again. You know, it was kind of weird watching those games last year and seeing that empty stadium. And, and I was trying to, you know, I was trying to imagine in my head cause I couldn't get in uh, what it must have been like to be in there with no fans and to, to hear the sounds of the actual players and what have you.
0: Yeah. It was pretty eerie. Actually, I retweeted, See you when they put out some information about season tickets because I was like, we we can't do this again. Y'all need to get back in here. I did not enjoy that at all. I shouldn't say I didn't enjoy it at all, but I felt guilty about it. You know, like no. being in that stadium with knowing that the fans weren't there, but I just missed live sports so much. Missed being on the house so much at that point. Right. So right. it was nice getting there, but uh, I want that stadium full when they kick off against UNC no question about yeah,
1: it I think that makes the college football uh experience complete the tailgating and the band 100%. And, yeah you know I, mean, I I you know I to me the epitome of college football and this is going to probably sound crazy is the band plan you know you don't have that in the NFL and they come marching in and uh, the halftime and all I mean I've never seen a halftime show because I was always in in the locker room but uh I don't know that, that kind of thing to me is what makes the college game, the college game. I know a lot of people will talk about this later, you know, think, Oh, it's going down the drain, but I don't know. I don't see it.
0: Well, I'm proud of you, William. You're, you're shouting out the band, you're ranking specialists and top boss countdown. You you've turned over a new leaf.
1: <laughs> yeah. I mean, you know, maybe it was the, the, the surviving the end of the world experience, you know, I mean, I think back, I think back to, uh, you know, a little over a year ago in March and April, of 2020. And it was scary. You know, I mean, it was legitimately, I think we forget that, but I think back on and we were wondering, man, are we going to make it through this or what? So it, it really is. uh, And and maybe it's the three week vacation. I don't know. Maybe I'm still giddy from (laughs) getting away and whatever, but yeah, I'm kind of crazy. I have to, you know, uh, rank, rank the, what did I, I ranked one of the punters or the kicker this year and, Josh so, Watts
0: I think you you ranked. Yeah.
1: Yeah, yeah. So yeah, it's uh it's it's a whole new year and a whole new season and you know that's the that's the beauty of college football as, as well to me is you get to have hope every year, you know? I mean, we've sort of stunk most years the last 15 and yet every year at this time of year I feel like, hey, this could be the time, this could be the year we break through and so why not have optimism about it?
0: Well, let's ride that wave going into the BSR mailbag. I'm going to save a few basketball questions for a later solo pod. Troutman5 asked, Who leads the team in receptions?
1: Well, I think the obvious answer is uh, Dimitri Stanley at the slot. You know, he's probably going to see a lot more passes, but I'm going to go with an with a off the wall pick and say Brady Russell, because quite clearly Carl Durrell likes tight ends in his offense. And I think based on that first game before he got hurt last year, he had a lot of catches. I think he was, the had the most receptions in that first game. So I think that uh, Brady Russell, given his skill set and given who we have at the receivers and how defenses are going to try and shut them down, he may tend to be the forgotten guy, at least until they, until he, uh, proves that you can't do that. So I'm going to say Brady Russell and, and I'm not talking, you know, Long hundred yard, ninety yard pass plays or whatever, but you know where the tight end is a it, you, you can get a lot of those short pass yeah, plays and yep. get it down and move the flags. So that that's really what matters.
0: Of the receivers, I had a hierarchy of Stanley, Chenault, Rice, Lamonius, Craig, Bell, Arias.
1: Yeah, I think I think that sounds about right. Um, I'm trying to think who's uh, who's the other the other that other little wide receiver that um, Jalen Jalen. Yeah, Jalen. Jason, I think I, I, I'm kind. Of the, I, I'm not a big. I'm not a big believer in our areas anymore. I don't know. You know. I mean, he can always turn that around and get get his hands better. But uh, any one of those, I think that. Yeah, I think you're not far off base with that at all. Uh, I'm very. I'm very interested to see what Lamonius Craig can do. I mean, I was. I was super excited when he signed, and I still think he'd be the best safety on the team. But let's see what he does on the, on the offensive side. I think we're really, I think we're really potentially loaded on offense this year.
0: J Dub nine two five asked, "Can you compare where our talent is compared to four years ago in 2017?" I think most fans were very confident going into that season, even though we lost three defensive backs to the NFL. Obviously, 2017 was coming off the 10 one season. And they lost a lot of leadership off that team. I right. looked back at our top ups countdown in 2017. I would say comparing that team to this year's countdown, there's more depth on this team. Yeah, and, I, I, and, a, and a lot of that has to do with the transfer portal.
1: Yeah, for sure. Yeah, and I, and I think I, I kind of went it a different way. I, I sort of went position by position, and I felt like I felt like this year's team wins at every single position. With potentially the defensive backs being a, a bit of a wash because they had they were going into the season strong at safety with Worthington and um, we had Isaiah, we, I think we still had Isaiah Oliver, and yeah, um, so those are two star power guys, and we got some question marks in the defensive backfield, but you know, like an offensive line is significantly better this year to me. The linebackers, I think, are significantly better this year to me. Um, so I, I think we're far more talented this year than we were that year. I think that, you know, that year ended up, well, it obviously was a huge disappointment um, and we struggled up front on on offense, but uh, I think we're better at, I think we're better in terms of frontline talent. I think we're better in in terms of depth. I just think we're all around much better than that team.
0: Yeah. 2016 was a special group, but so many of those guys moved on. That's why that was such a a special group. It's kind of like they caught lightning in in a bottle almost. Right.
1: Yeah, I think so. I think I think a, a huge part of that was the leadership of Sefo Lufau and, and some of those uh, the three def, the defensive backs, um, you know, that led that defense and, and uh, break Philip Lindsay breaking out. But, you know, like you look at you look at. So I look at the running backs, for example, on that team and it was Philip Lindsay and really nobody. And on this team, you know, you've got three potential stars and, and maybe more, frankly. So. I think we're really loaded at a lot of these positions.
0: Buff predictor asked, thanks for doing this guys. Is the pandemic still having an impact on evaluating players? I read a lot about offers being made after coaches evaluate a player for on-campus workouts and drills, is there just less film these days? Should we be a little less obsessed with prospect rankings or not?
1: Well, I think the last question, the answer to that is unquestionably yes, right? Regardless, a little less obsessed. <laughs> yeah,
0: Although, we get a, we we get another question about recruiting. Where I'm going to go on a rant here, but yeah, go ahead.
1: It's so so, so sometimes it's, you can take a question in a couple different ways. So is the pandemic still having an impact on evaluating players? No, because now you can see them in person, and so you can really evaluate them face to face. But I get where he's coming from insofar as uh, some states didn't have as many games last year or they played in the spring. And so we don't have a lot of film for maybe the junior season for some of these guys. And so I think where that is really going to play out, I expect to see far more than usual guys really explode in their senior year this year that we didn't maybe hear about last year because they didn't get the opportunity, maybe, especially in California, maybe here in Colorado to some extent. Um is there less film it seems like in some places and other places not so much you know i think down the south in texas they played pretty close to regular seasons so uh we're not going to get to get get back to games lost in terms of some of those kids um but i don't know that it still has an impact at this point uh i i think i i again i think there's a lot of kids in this particular class who haven't played as many games in order to develop or to be seen. So I, I expect to see more guys break out as, as seniors that weren't highly recruited before the season starts. But aside from that, I don't think it's still an issue.
0: Yeah. I would take the 2021 rankings with a little bit more of a grain of salt than you normally would even 2022's a little bit. I mean, they're, they're still catching up out there. They missed two spring evaluation periods, which are big. Right. right. And you, you kind of missed one and a half camp periods too, right? Because last summer you couldn't do that. This year it was more like, let's get these kids on campus. then right. and, and then emphasis on camp periods. Yeah, the 2021s were really screwed over. They couldn't take visits to schools. They had to just sign right. there. Now there's the one-time transfer rule that's going to come into effect. The, the transfer portal is going to continue to be really big. So it'll work itself out. 2022s are being evaluated in person now, but they didn't get a chance to. They've got this whole scholarship limit looming over them, right? Everybody's yeah, I mean,
1: a smaller right. You got all those guys that stayed around as super seniors, and so you know, yeah. um, everybody got well. Juniors, yourself.
0: sophomores, freshmen, right. like all those people are are stopped from last year right. in terms of everybody, eligibility.
1: Yeah, everybody got an extra year of eligibility now it's going to be interesting to me to see how that plays out because it also, so not as we certainly saw here in Colorado, here at Colorado, everybody that got another year of eligibility didn't get invited back. Yeah. You know, I mean, not, you know, and I want to be careful about how I use my, my words here because I don't want to suggest that, that we process them or kick them out the door or whatever. I don't know.
0: Everybody did that though. And and it's going to happen with juniors this coming year.
1: Right. There's going to be some guys like, OK, well, you know, you got your extra year and you didn't really develop much or improve much and you're not really part of the uh, future of the program. So you're going to have to go do something else somewhere else. And so some of those spots are going to open up, but some of them are not. Yeah. And so some of those kids will have to go to or go to smaller colleges or, or what have you. So, you know, I think may, potentially four or five years in the NFL draft, we'll see a lot of guys picked out of places that you wouldn't expect. Because they got missed or over, overlooked this, this year.
0: I've obviously talked to a lot of coaches throughout my 18-plus years on BuffStampede.com, and they all say there's nothing better than an in-person evaluation, and the fact that they couldn't do that for a year and a half means that they're still catching up there. there there's no way around that, but it, it is yeah. catching up, and unfortunately. We won't have to talk about this. Uh, fingers crossed uh, again in the future, because
1: uh go ahead. And, and it also means that you're going to that you know teams are going to sign some guys that don't pan out, you know, yeah. because they see them before they got on campus. And I would really reiterate, you know, you and I used to go out to two schools and look at these kids, and in you know, with my background, I, I could take a look at and, and run a, a kid through a couple of drills and know whether he can play at this yeah. level or not. You know, and so you see, so you saw um, Travis Gray, for example, come up to see you and, and uh, do some testing with coach Rod and here, here's your scholarship kid, because certainly when you see him in person, you know, somebody mentioned on the board yesterday that they didn't think his film was as impressive as someone else. And, you know, at the end of the day, there's only so much you can tell from highlight film. For one thing, you need to watch a whole game to see what they do on all the plays. But You know It's difficult to really tell how big a kid is and and what his frame is like and how well he moves without getting him in person and running through some drills and seeing him with your own eyes. I
0: talked to a non-CU assistant coach, and he said we recruited a guy, signed him. We thought he was 5'11", and he showed up (laughs) 5'8". We were not too happy about it as a cornerback. So, yeah, that's going to happen a little bit more. Right now, than it will in the future. Obviously,
1: yeah. I mean, it used to happen in the NFL too. I remember one year the Broncos drafted a uh, uh, nose guard by the name of Ted Gregory. He's supposed to be like six three, three hundred. He gets to camp, he's like five eleven. Like, oops, should have should have gone to see him in person. I'm not <laughs> sure how you draft a guy in the first round without seeing him in person, but
0: that does not what. happen in, in 2021.
1: No, not anymore. Yeah, and that, those 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 uh, stories are why.
0: Buff predictor also asked another football question without betraying anyone's confidence. Can you say whether or not Neuer's decision to transfer took the staff by surprise? Or was it a situation where Shrout and Lewis made this more inevitable by having excellent spring performances? William, I I would say that uh, it didn't catch them by surprise, but they, they wanted him back. You know, a, a guy that has the experience that Sam Noir does, a great locker room guy. Grant Cicerone was a walk-on quarterback in their their program that was doing okay. Would have been a good emergency option there, but he's he he entered the transfer portal. So, uh, no offense to Drew Carter, but uh, the depth there at quarterback is not what you would like. But you like the top two guys.
1: Yeah, and I don't think there's there was no way they were surprised by it. I I would imagine they had discussions with Sam and probably try to keep him around and he made the, what he decided was the best choice for him. And certainly going back home, you, you can understand that to a certain extent and, and uh, it's, it, you know, it's not like he's not going to have competition there. So I, I don't know him and don't know specifically what was in his mind, but uh, I imagine he probably watched those two, two younger guys in practice all through spring. And, and at least to him, you know, figured they were good enough that maybe he wasn't going to get a chance to play. I, you know, I don't know. I don't know what went through his mind. I mean, kids transfer for all kinds of reasons, um, but there's no way they were caught by surprise by it.
0: Our Jack three asked, what is a unit that CU has like they rank in the top three in the pack 12? What's a unit that CU has? You feel like they are solidly in the middle. What's a unit that CU has that makes you feel like they rank in the bottom three of the pack 12?
1: Well, I'm going to be curious to hear what you say. I I, I feel like um, we have some top three units. I think the offensive line and the running backs for sure could be top three in, in the Pac-12. And I think linebacker could be top three if Nate Lambin is okay. And, you know, if if somebody jumps out uh, amongst a group of like Barnes and Lamb and uh, Van Deest and Gustav, if if a couple of those guys step up, we could have one of the better linebacker crews in this conference as well. I think most of the others are in the middle for me personally. I think our defensive line right now is is bottom three um, until somebody stands up and and proves themselves at that third spot and for depth, because to me, nobody's proven anything yet beyond Sammy and, 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 and Lang. And, uh, uh, you know, obviously, um, Janaz Jordan played a lot last year as well. I have some question marks about him in my head based on what I saw in the film. So I think the defensive line is a, the huge question mark to me, but I think that's the only position on the team, right? now. Maybe safety. I don't know. Okay. Uh, maybe safety would be down low. Um, but every other, every other position on the team, I think is solidly in the middle. So yeah, my, I think top three and O-line or running back for sure. Maybe, maybe linebacker. What do you think?
0: Yeah, it's tough because I, I'm going to be honest. I don't know about the personnel of every other Pac-12 team, right? Well, right, yeah, uh, that's
1: that's the wild card for sure.
0: Running back is the easiest to rank in the top three. I think number two for me would be cornerback, especially you're assuming that Christian Gonzalez is going to look like he did in the Alamo Bowl, you know, as a sophomore or I guess second year buff. I like Makai Blackman. I think he's one of the more underrated players in the Pac-12. If you just you know, outside linebacker Carson Wells kind of makes Colorado's outside linebackers, right. outside linebackers kind of top three, right?
1: Yeah, I, mean, if, I don't know. You know, I mean, you see all these rankings. If Carson Wells is not the best outside linebacker in in the twelve, I'll I'll eat my shorts because he is. I'm just gonna say that. I look at the offensive line, and, I, and you know, I, like you. I know there's some really good offensive linemen in this conference coming back from other teams, but what I know about this team is we got, we got, and I want to be careful how I say this. We got, we got five or six or seven guys who could potentially play at the next level right now. Um, And I don't think I've seen that at CU since the Barnett days. Um, And some of them, some of them are super high level to me, like, like, like Frank Phillip and Max Ray, they could be the best tackles in the, in the conference. Um, I don't think that's a stretch to say that at all. And, you know, uh, uh, Purcell and and Kari Kutch are as good of an interior pair as you'll see around the conference. So, yeah, I don't know what every team has at at all five spots on the offensive line, but I know that we're pretty loaded up there. And I think our guys are better than people think they are.
0: I had the offensive line, in terms of our question here, I had them in the middle. Uh, I had receivers in the middle. I had tight ends in the middle of the PAC 12, the bottom. I agree with you, defense alignment until proven otherwise, but I couldn't really rank a few positions. I, I said yet to be determined with quarterback safety, inside linebacker and specialists. Those yeah. were the areas that I- I- I'm just going into camp. I just don't know. And I- I'm, I'm going to be honest about
1: that. Yeah, right, right. And that's what I was kind of getting at with the linebackers, is just, is if things go fine with Nate Lamman. If Nate Lamman's up to up to speed, he's arguably the best linebacker in the conference. Um, and just like Wells at outside linebacker, that instantly makes your inside linebackers one of the best groups in the conference. Yeah. So we'll see how he's doing. Um, you know, and then see how Barnes and, and Lamb fit in inside there, see how much improvement the other guys make that came back. And I still, and you know, I, you talked about this with Brian on the countdown. Uh, I think Joshua Gustav is a star in the making. I think just watching him on film last year, he was real close, real close a lot of times. And I think he's, he, it's the experience of playing and getting bigger, faster, stronger. And he's just going to be a guy who could be a real load, especially since teams are going to focus on trying to neutralize Carson Wells.
0: Shy in buff asked, let's play another round of true or false. Number one, KD and his staff are built to recruit in the top half of the PAC 12. Let's go. He's got three true or false questions. Let's do them one at a time here. Carl Durrell and his staff are built to recruit in the top half of the PAC 12.
1: Well, I'm not, I'm not hundred percent clear what he means by that question. Does he mean from Carl Durrell Durell's perspective? Like he built them to do that. From that perspective, I would say no. I think what Carl Durrell is looking for, first and foremost, is is competence in coaching and developing players, which I like and I think makes a big difference on actual game days. The other perspective, and I think probably the one that he means that people talk about on the board is, can can this staff recruit the top half of the Pac-12? And I think the answer is yes, possibly. Will they this year? don't know remains to be seen. I think, you know, they need to show something on the field. Um, They've certainly been able to get some really highly rated players come and visit Boulder. So from that perspective, um, I think they could be.
0: Yeah. I think uh, you're talking about a chicken and egg argument here, right? I mean, you're talking about short of Nick Saban or Dabo Sweeney coming to Boulder. You're you're just not going to magically have a top half of the Pac-12 recruiting class, given the location disadvantage, the recent history. There's just there's no right. way around that. And so, Carl Drill is fighting things that are out of his control. That he's trying to get this ship in the right direction. And you know, things that happen since he was an assistant coach at CU are out of his control. So I would need to know if Shine DeBuff is asking about, like, does this mean right now, which would be false, or does it mean in the future, which could potentially be true? It's It's impossible here, sitting here July 8th in 2021, to answer this question definitively.
1: And there are some guys on that staff who have been really high-level recruiters in the past, so there's no reason to believe why they couldn't be in the future.
0: Mel Tucker, people were ready to throw him a parade before he left town because he re- added the seventh-ranked recruiting class in the Pac-12. That wasn't top half of right. out, top half of the
1: Pac-12. Right, and and you know, um, I think somebody made a point on the board yesterday. I saw somebody was saying, "Well, we should we should have won. We coming off a bowl game. We should have super results automatically as a result." Well you know and my re- return response to that was well you know most of the, the most of these kids lives we have not been that good right and and so they you know so we've been we were a five win team three years in a row well i think kids look at it as a binary sort of situation you're either in a bowl game or you're not and if you're not you're an afterthought if they don't care whether you're five wins or one win you're you're not good right cuz you're not going to a bowl game so for most of the life most of the, of the football lifetimes of the kids being recruited right now, CU has been nothing. And last year was such a fluke. Well, so different. Let me put it that way. So different in terms of, of how it was played out and how the games were played and what have you, that I'm not sure people look at that and go, Oh, well, you know, they're, they're back on track.
0: Yeah. Now the good thing is that the memory of these high school recruits is pretty short. They they go back three, four years because, right. When you're recruiting them, they're 17, 18 years old. And so they've only been watching college football for a short period of time. But you got to go back to back with bowl games. You can't just have it four and two. We're in the Alamo Bowl, and Texas does what they did, unfortunately, to Colorado. On the, the positive side, you start putting, like, Carl Durrell went to five straight bowl games at UCLA. If you can do that at CU, then the narrative changes, Right.
1: Right. Right. And and, yeah, then I expect for sure. People want to know, uh, was last year a fluke because of the strange situation and and he handled it better than everybody else? Or can he do this on a sustained regular basis? So, you know, if they go to a bowl game this year, then we should absolutely, I think, expect a a significant increase in recruiting the year after that. Well, maybe maybe this year too, frankly.
0: Shine the buff. Number two question here, true or false? CU's 2021 defense will be better than the 2020
1: defense. I'm gonna say that's true. Um, different coordinator, um, although you know, I think Summers got a lot of heat that he didn't necessarily deserve, but more talent brought in, particularly through the transfer portal. And I think some of those guys will make a big difference. But uh, so I think yes, and I think um a little more growth and, and some time with with uh, Shannon Turley and and I think that I think this defense can be better than last year for sure. And I think they you know with a spring ball to kind of learn what he wants them to do um, and we've got some cornerbacks sort of nailed in and we've got really some potentially hot super high level stars on this defense um and I think we can really see what Carson Wells does in a, in a full season, for example. So yeah I think we I think yes it will be better.
0: Your memory goes back to the Alamo Bowl in Texas, basically being able to name their own score against the Buffs. And so with that said, I would say true. It would be nice to have Mustafa Johnson back. And it would be nice to not have Nate Lamont coming back from a ruptured Achilles. But the other pieces are back. They're more seasoned, like you said. The whole staff has a better feel for this personnel than they did a year ago. Robert Barnes, you mentioned the transfer portal coming in is going to be big. Christian Gonzalez being a second-year player should be big. Lang is is another year mature. Uh, Van Deist is coming off a a strong spring. I think Makai Blackman and Isaiah Lewis are some of the more underrated players in the Pac-12. Mark Perry, he's more experienced now on the back end. He should be coming out for a breakout season. What were were you going to say, William?
1: Well, I was just thinking, you know, looking at the looking at the Texas game, you know, we had a lot of guys and not to make excuses, but I think they're real. We had some, uh, some starters out because of COVID for that game. I, I think our defensive line was pretty much decimated uh, as far as that goes. So it's hard to say what, if we'd have had everybody on board would have been different. Maybe with, a, you know, you had a Nate Landman and a Jalen Sammy. I can't remember. Uh, I thought did wasn't Lang or, or Mustafa out for that game too. Um. I- I'm not
0: trying to remember that, Almobile, Mobile, but, yeah. uh, you know, Texas had a lot of guys out too. Let's well, be honest yeah. about that, you know, yep. and okay. so that, that's a big difference about where CU's been. Right. Because of you can get those top three or four guys in a recruiting class. You can out-evaluate everybody else, but it's that middle of the class that they've really been struggling with before Darrell came. And we'll see if Darrell is better with that. I, I feel like that's what's going to make this, make or break this program going forward.
1: Yeah, you know, a team like Texas can afford to lose 10 guys and still not be hurt all that much. Yeah. To be perfectly honest because and they, and they fired their coach. So, yeah, right. So it's a different place and a different, yeah. you know, so uh I don't know. Yeah, I mean that that's the that's the thing with trying to make comparisons games if this guy had been playing or that guy had been playing. You know, every game every game in football and college football particularly is a is a thing unto itself, you know. Any, Like they say, any given day, one team can beat any other team, and and we've all seen it happen, so who knows. But, um, yeah, I I just think with uh, the spring ball for the defensive coordinator to put his stamp on it and and, uh, another year of experience for a lot of these guys and the guys we brought in from the transfer portal, I I think we are going to have a lot more – talent and depth on this team and we'll see what happens.